You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. Uh, we're going to switch right into our topic of discussion this week, and uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to go for it, and we will have um, you know, a little over about 40 minutes. So hopefully we'll have a little time for some questions or interaction at the end here. Um, so the topic of discussion is 100% responsibility. What do I mean by that? So if I were to say, I have here a coffee cup on my desk. Now, why do I have this coffee cup on my desk? Well, could be because <clears throat> I had coffee. Could also be because I went to uh, visit New York back in August. I went to a Starbucks. I bought this coffee cup. It could be because this coffee cup has red on the inside. Red's one of my favorite colors, so I picked the red one subconsciously. Uh, it could be because um, I like the size of this coffee cup. It could be because somebody invented coffee about a thousand years ago, and so I needed a cup to put that coffee into. It could be because about 5,000 years ago, somebody created the idea of a cup and said, let's put liquids inside of a cup. Now he might've done that because his dad was mean to him and said, you're a loser who will never come up with anything brilliant. And he said, I'll show you, I'll create this thing and I'll call it an Ogamuga. I don't know. I don't know what language he spoke. So you have all of those things. You come up with a billion of these. Hypothetically, you could just do this all day and come up with reasons. But at the end of the day, responsibility is a context. It's not necessarily a fact. It's a, it's a way that you choose to see the world. And I can choose the most powerful context is this cup is here because I chose it. I had coffee. I wanted it. And I decided to put it here. Okay. I am responsible for why that cup is there. Now I could come up with a billion other reasons it's there, but I'm choosing the context that is responsible. So I want to frame it with that first, because when we talk about responsibility, we're talking in terms of a context. It's not a matter of a fact. It's a choice. There could be a billion other reasons why something happened, but you can choose the most responsible context where you're taking the ownership for why something has happened. So the opposite of responsibility is not irresponsibility, it's victim. If we have a sliding scale, at one end of the scale is victim, one end of the scale is responsible. Let's say that you are being 60% responsible. That means you are 40% playing the victim. Now, in areas like, say, physical health, maybe you know, you've let yourself get really 
overweight, you eat out all the time, you are never exercising, you're not taking care of yourself, it's not 100% responsibility that you're owning. Instead, you might be somewhere in the middle of the scale, let's say, hypothetically. So I'm kind of a victim of uh, McDonald's and their delicious fries. And I, you know, I, I'm the victim here. Um, I'm the victim of, of my, my Planet Fitness membership is too expensive this month. And I, I'm the victim here. Or I'm responsible. And as a responsible person, I make these choices. So this is always at play. You can think this is always going on. Am I going to be responsible or am I going to blame? Am I going to be responsible or am I going to be the victim? And so the sliding scale is always there. Even if you have somebody who's being um, an athlete, let's say, you know, performing at the highest levels, they're going to have their off day where they went from uh, being 100% responsible to mm, they've dropped down to 95%. And I don't want to work out. I'm sore. I don't want, uh, and they, they get into that mode instead of I'm going to be responsible. Now, responsible could also mean I'm going to be responsible to take my rest days, to take a vacation. It doesn't mean that you're always plugging go, go, go. That's not, that's not the point of what I'm saying. So being responsible is owning the choices versus life is happening to you. So that's, that's kind of the difference is owning the choices versus life happening to you. Now, most of our culture, most of our modern culture has really gone more toward let's have a 100% victim context for everything. And so I'm the victim, I'm the victim, and you, you can hardly get them to have any responsibility. So we're we're pushing way against the grain here, totally different perspective. Now, I wanna lay out two different levels. You have a lower level, we'll say, we'll call it level one, which is personal responsibility. Level two is what we're talking about, leadership responsibility, or being 100% responsible. Now, beneath, beneath personal responsibility is victimhood. If you can get, somebody that you're leading to move out of victimhood into taking personal responsibility, that's already a huge jump. That's amazing. And that, that takes a lot of work to get them to go from victim to personal responsibility. But to actually move up from there into leadership responsibility is a whole nother jump that we don't ever hear people talking about. It is like not even on most people's radar that this exists. And so most people, when you see memes or things on the internet that talk about you know, therapy and trying to get somebody to give up the victim mindset and become personally responsible, like your triggers are your triggers. And now nobody has to walk around on eggshells to accommodate your triggered self and all of that. Like those are trying to move people from victimhood to personal responsibility. That's not the topic of tonight's discussion. We're actually gonna talk more about moving from personal responsibility to leadership responsibility, which is a whole different level. So resp uh, leadership responsibility <clears throat> is where you're taking responsibility for everything 
that's happening around you with the people that you're leading. So to put it in a, a different frame, let's say, for example, uh, if a business fails, who is responsible? The CEO. Now, you might have had a bad accountant that was embezzling the money or, you know, Federal Reserve that's squandering it or the IRS that's that's ripping everybody off or, you, you know, you can come up with a hundred other reasons that ate away at the business. But at the end of the day, the CEO is the one who is responsible. So we have to divide something else, too. It's not about who's at fault or who's to blame. So if you put those over here, blame and fault are one thing, responsibility is another thing. The CEO is responsible. The buck stops here, he's responsible. But who's at fault or who's to blame could be the CFO, it could be the, the technology officer, it could be a lot of other people that made bad choices, but he hired them. And he kept them and he didn't train them and he didn't correct them and he didn't confront the issue and he wasn't aware of the issue. Whatever excuses he has, but at the end of the day, actually owning that, you know what, yeah, they made these bad choices, but that was my responsibility. That's leadership level of responsibility. Now we can see that quite clearly in a business. You carry it over and let's say, uh, I don't know. Does anybody follow football? Dan, who's a terrible team? This is your moment to shine right here. Everybody except the Steelers. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know who you're rooting for. That's helpful. Um, so the Dallas Cowboys, uh, when, when they fail each week, who is it that's responsible? It's the coach. You could easily point at the quarterback and say, well, yeah, but he missed that throw and the kicker, he missed this kick and this person didn't, the receiver didn't catch it and the blocker didn't block and you could start picking it apart. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, we got the hat. So you can pick it apart like that and say, well, all these different people made these mistakes. True, but whose responsibility was it to make a winning team? The coach. I grew up in upstate New York, and I remember four years of Jim Kelly taking Buffalo Bills to the Super Bowl year after year after year. But the ironic thing is that after, for the last like 20 years that they've not, they've not gotten back to the Super Bowl, they basically switched out their coach like every year. And it, I was seeing guys I, I knew who, uh, who were like, I think I'm going to try to go be the coach for the Bills. It was just like almost a joke, like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't, I don't think that you're uh, qualified for that, but it was that, that much of a joke. And so um, the coach is the one who's responsible. He might not be the one to blame, or he might not be at fault in the sense of, did he make the mistake? Did he miss the ball? Did he miss the kick? Did he miss the throw? No, but he's responsible for the fact that it was missed. So there's the leadership responsibility. You carry this over military let's say the confederacy the civil war they lose who's responsible robert e lee he is responsible and yet at the same time he he's not the only general he's got lots of generals under him 
and we don't really remember their names and they're forgotten you know by most of history and yet he's the one who's remembered as the general who led the losing side of the war so the concept of even in the military who's responsible it comes back to that top person he's the leader he's responsible so when we carry this over and this is the challenge i see over and over again in the church is that we are thinking in terms of personal responsibility and most leaders don't want to think in terms of leadership level of responsibility like like dan said you know knowing what the gas prices are who's responsible so or where the stock market is so there's there is a place of leadership responsibility that it does fall on whoever that leader is so we have sort of the challenge in the church of understanding the concept of personal responsibility but then when you're leading people to say okay so you had this staff person uh blow up their marriage and quit your team and send everybody nasty letters and they've left town and you've had this these people over here and they're having a divorce and their kids are doing this and all this stuff's going on and your youth pastor you had to get rid of them because they whatever and you have all these messy situations that are constantly happening in the church and yet we're if we're thinking in terms of personal responsibility and not in terms of leadership responsibility we will not break through that ceiling we won't break through that ceiling that we keep bumping up against of oh well you know they just they made bad choices they're bitter they're this they're that then it's all putting it out back on them instead of owning okay i'm the coach i'm the general i'm the ceo i was given this responsibility by god to lead and if that's happening how can i own it how can i look at that and say you know it was my responsibility that the accountant was stealing all the money you know it was my responsibility that that general lost that battle over there it's my responsibility that the the bills keep losing their 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 scores uh, you know games and actually owning it to then see how what do i need to do different to adjust to change this to lead better because i've reached the limit of my leadership ability and capability so I want to play a clip for you guys and this is there's two people on this clip one is Jocko Willink I'll tell you a little bit about him and the other one is uh Dr. Jordan Peterson um and he's a little more well known but Jocko Willink was the head navy seal in Ramadi Iraq which was the most intense war zone during the Iraq war and he oversaw the navy seals over there so most intense group in the most intense environment and he came back and he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership and uh in the first chapter he talks about how they had a friendly fire situation where his guys and and some other US servicemen ended up firing on each other and they always do an investigation when that happens and usually the commander gets fired and it's like you're done this is like the worst thing that you can do in the military is have a friendly fire situation so when they came to investigate 
the investigators were there. He had his whole team in the room and he said, okay, I need to ask, you know, why did this happen? And the radio man raised his hand and he said, well, I didn't call in this and this and this, and I was supposed to, it's my responsibility. So it's not your responsibility. Thank you for being honest. And then the next guy, he owned up to something. He said, thank you. It's not your responsibility. And he went around the room. Everybody took their took their honest, what they thought of how it was their fault. And at the end of it, he said, you know what? It was my responsibility that you had a friendly fire situation. And they said, well, you weren't even out on the field. It's not, it wasn't your fault. They said, no, but as the leader, I made the mistakes that I made that I didn't train. I didn't oversee. I didn't, whatever the situation required to prevent this from happening. That's the kind of leadership we're talking about. So we'll see Jocko and we'll see Jordan Peterson in this clip that uh, we'll have up here in just a moment. For many years, Christians and non-Christians alike have struggled to reconcile the seemingly conflicting depictions of God found in the Bible. How can the legalistic punishing God of the Old Testament also be the loving Father that Jesus revealed in the New Testament? The key to understanding this question lies in understanding that the Bible is the story of God's covenantal relationship with humanity, and this story plays out through five major covenants. Once you understand these five major covenants, the entire Bible will finally make sense. In New Covenant Revolution, Dr. Welton makes the Better Covenant path to understanding crystal clear in 200 pages. Find it on Amazon or Audible today. As you know, I, I wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. The, the opening chapter of the book is a horrible situation where the fratricide happens on the battlefield. So friendly forces killing friendly forces, some of those forces being mine. And, you know, it, it's all these people I could blame and all these little incidents that happened that I could have said, well, you know, we had this radio cryptographic change that happened in the middle of operation and and it had people weren't able to talk to each other and we had these iraqis that we didn't speak english we had these units that we hadn't worked with before and and they did things that we didn't expect and there's plenty of blame to go around and and essentially i said hey you know whose fault this is this is my fault i'm the commander and so when i hear you say things like that it strikes me that you uncovered this through your study of history and and philosophy and religion and I, I learned it you know as like I said a certified knuckle dragger out on the battlefield that realized you know if you're going to exist as a leader and as a human then you need to take responsibility for what happens around you and that's again yeah, you have to take well the, the, the religious notion in some sense is that you have to take ultimate responsibility and that in some sense the things that happen around you I mean, this is, Dostoevsky, I think, said something like, every man is responsible for everything that happens to him and everything that happens to everyone else. And that's, you know, that, that's, that's, a, it's a crazy statement, right? It's a crazy statement. And he was a pretty extreme person in many, many ways. But there's a level at which that's metaphysically true, you know, because what happens is that it's, it's failure to act often that's the most catastrophic you know, I mean, I've, uh, it's 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 to not do the right thing when the 
when the situation presents itself. And it's very specific. You know, you're constantly in situations where you could do the right thing if you were willing to take a risk that's actually of relatively moderate size. And you know that you could take the risk and you know that you should take the risk and you don't. And that happens to people all the time. And then what happens is the thing that they didn't oppose grows a little bit and they shrink a little bit and that starts a loop. Hey? And so, and you say, well, how do you take responsibility for the world? And the answer is, well, you also have to do it with a certain degree of humility because what do you know? You know, and, and, and this is part of the reason that I'm so opposed to the activist culture on, on college campuses. You don't teach 18 year olds to go and demonstrate about capitalism, you know, because they don't know anything and they have problems in their own life that need to be solved that are local. And, and the, the local problems aren't trivial, you know, they're not disciplined. They're, they're, they're not looking at the world in a straight way. They're not taking responsibility for themselves or for their actions, their sexual actions among others. They're not taking responsibility for their family. They're not looking at how they could contribute to the community. They don't understand the fact that they don't know anything. And so they should be taught to start locally and to put things together that they could put together, you know, to make their bed and to clean up their room and to attend their classes with regularity if they're going to university, because that's part of the implicit contract. And to straighten up the things around them that are actually within their power to straighten up. And then what happens is that if you do that, let's say religiously, which I suppose would be the same as in a disciplined manner, that your realm of influence starts to grow, but it grows in a positive way, just like you can go, you can take, you can end up in hell one step at a time. And that's extraordinarily well documented. You can end up at the opposite place of that one step at a time, but it's also that same gradual process. You don't get to leap from being a 17-year-old knothead who doesn't know anything and who isn't disciplined to the critic of Judeo-Christian society. You just don't know enough to do that, especially when you can look at your own life and think about how many things that you're doing that you know are wrong, that you could fix, that you aren't fixing. And that's the crucial thing. It's, it's, this, isn't, this, this mode of thinking isn't asking people to stretch themselves beyond what they're capable of. It's just asking them to stretch themselves to the point that they are capable of and seeing what happens. And that works. It works. I've had many people write me over the last year, and this is a great thing, really. It's a great thing, who said that they stopped, started to tell the truth, or at least not to lie, because who can tell the truth, right? But at least you can not lie. And that they started to put things in order around them that they could put in order and that, you know, the positive things just started to happen like mad. And they're not nihilistic and they've got a purpose in their life. And so, you know, thank God for that. And it does work. Cool. All right. So that um, really covers in, in a very similar way where we're talking about two different levels of leadership, two different levels of responsibility because he's saying you've got to get the 17 year old on the campus to get out of the victim mindset of being a protester, anti-capitalism and all that to go clean your room, you know, <laughs> take care of your own life, you know, get your, get your finances in order, get your health in order, get out of your mom's basement, put the video games down, you know, grow to the point of personal responsibility 
And then if you continue to grow your capabilities and grow your responsibility, you can then become the kind of leader who can make a change in the world. And a lot of people are jumping over like, I want to change the world, but I'm not going to even be personally responsible for myself yet. And, you know, that's a whole segment of voters in our country. And so we have, um, you know, that, that whole demographic of like, I'm not going to be personally responsible, but I want to change the external world. It's like, mm, you got to start with changing your own external and internal world to a place of responsibility first. So, and if we carry that over to church ministry, that, that whole realm, that's the deconstruction movement. Here, you got a bunch of people who, I, you know, I got my, my theology, my education on uh, YouTube and on some blogs I read. And, you know, this is what I know and I know better than, than everybody else now. And I'm going to come in and try and tear things down. And it's like, you know what? How about you first deal with your own life? Let's get your own life straight. How's your marriage? How's your, uh, you know, your family? How's your kids? How's your finances? Deal with yourself first. And if you're being responsible in the personal realm, and then you grow to take responsibility for other people and be a leader, then you can help them deconstruct some terrible theology that they might have in their life. And that's great. But when we have people who are doing that just out of a place of anger and hurt and bitterness, then you end up with the deconstruction movement. You know, people who, you know, we got, I got, an, I got an email from somebody this week, never heard of the person before, just sends me this, this nasty email, uh, just, just digging in about, you're an idiot, you have this beautiful wife. You write, you write these great books. They're really good. You should probably just be a Bible teacher, but don't tell people how to, how to lead their lives or anything, because obviously you failed. You've made your mistakes. Uh, I personally have chosen never to lead anything. I've chosen to stay single for the last 30 years because I knew that I, I wasn't ready for it or whatever. So I'm like, wait a second. So you, I didn't even respond to it, but I'm thinking about it through the week. Like you've, You've never been married, probably never led anything. You've probably never done anything, but you have a lot of opinions. This is exactly what we're talking about, is that, that whole thing of the cognitive dissonance of, you know what? Yeah, I've, I've gotten to this point of my marriage after 18 years, and I've had to navigate to continue to work and grow and all of that. And that's just part of maturing like watch watch anybody over the course of the last you know thousand years heroes they have their ups and their downs and they go through all the stuff they go through but we man to think like and I sit there like a armchair quarterback like wow wow I really actually um got myself to feel like some empathy for this person like man this is this is not this is not good I don't know what this you know person maybe 45 year old man living in his mom's basement and what what his reality is but this is this is rough so um but that's that's the kind of stuff we we are constantly dealing with is that level of immaturity and irresponsibility and um and then projecting that out um so the next thought and this this one's worth writing down if anyone's taking notes but leadership is taking responsibility 
for what you aren't seen as responsible for. Leadership is taking responsibility for what you aren't seen as responsible for. So inside of personal responsibility, you're seen as personally responsible for your finances, your health, your triggers, how you treat other people, your behaviors. Everyone expects that of everybody. Like, yeah, you're, if you're 700 pounds, I don't expect you to blame McDonald's. I expect you to own, you did that. And that personal responsibility, we see that. What we don't realize is that when we look at leaders, leaders take on responsibility for what they aren't seen as responsible for. So Martin Luther King Jr. takes on the responsibility of helping shift the civil rights in America in the 70s, uh, 60s. Then we have uh, Gandhi. He takes on the responsibility of shifting the British Empire and how they're treating the Indian people. When you step into leadership, you're taking on responsibility that you aren't seen as naturally responsible for. Nobody's responsible for the 300-member church until somebody steps up to be the leader and own that leadership position to be responsible for that. So to go, uh, you know, from the angle of um, even just from family, I want to bring another clip. I have, this one's a short one. Understanding the whole Bible is Dr. Welton's most in-depth work on better covenant theology. It is his 19-week Bible covenant course distilled into 450 pages of absolute stake. This is likely his most impacting work and constantly sells out on Amazon. Get your copy today. I don't know if any of you guys have been seeing this, but Shia LaBeouf, the actor, has been putting out some uh, awesome content recently. He really went through some rough stuff and he's learned quite a bit of things because of it, but um, I'm gonna share a short clip from him here. When do you become a man? You become a man when you become responsible for other people. And so like, I am very new to this being a man thing <laughs> and I'm still not there and I'm on a path. I grew up on a, in a culture that told me going to war made you a man, going to prison and coming back, coming back makes you a man. Um, making a million dollars makes you a man, you know, and, and it doesn't. Women who say I'm old fashioned, I don't. When do you become a man? You become a man when you become responsible for other people. And so like, I am very new to this being a man thing <laughs> and I'm still not there and I'm on a path. I grew up on a, in a culture that told me going to war made you a man, going to prison and coming back, coming back makes you a man. Um, making a million dollars makes you a man, you know, and, and it doesn't. When do you become a man? You become a and uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, just replacing what he's saying, become a man to become a leader. And uh, when you become responsible for other people, and we see that, I mean, you can see that in a natural sense of becoming a parent. You know, when do you become a parent? Well, when you choose to have these kids that now you're responsible for, you will have an obligation to take care of. And in the same way that 
you know, you become, when do you really become a pastor? When you take on the responsibility of leading these other people and really owning that. And, you know, with all of these, we, we have to take it back to our ultimate example here. So where do we see this in scripture? Where do we see this in Jesus? It's, it's the highest level you could imagine. Because here you have Jesus dying for all people, for all sins, for all time. It's the ultimate display of responsibility. He's not at fault, and he's not to blame for anything. And yet he goes on the cross himself by his own choice. Like he even tells Judas, Hey, what you got to do, go do it quickly. He even takes responsibility for his own betrayal to make sure it's taken care of and that it's done efficiently and sends him out, you know, hey, you got you got to go betray me now. So go take care of that. And he goes and he does it and he gets himself on the cross and he says, nobody has the power to take my life. I, I'm the one who lays it down. I'm the one who picks it up again. So he takes the full responsibility, even for all of that. And the goal is to take on the responsibility of, uh, it says in 1 John 2, 2, he died not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So he takes on the responsibility of the sin of people that are never going to come to know him, that are never going to receive the gift of forgiveness. So he takes the responsibility way beyond. So the ultimate example of, of an off the charts level of 100% responsibility for everything, everyone, ever. And that's the example. When we, when we look in front of us, this is what we see of that level of responsibility. So the challenge I have for us really is um, you know, where in your personal life are you lacking responsibility? That's the first level and where you might need to up that, move any out of, uh, anything out of victimhood into personal responsibility. And then beyond that, where have you already committed yourself to responsibility? So are you owning those, those areas of responsibility, whether it's a home group, whether it's an online group, whether it's church, a ministry, uh, extended family, like where are you going to say, you know what, I have some responsibility here. And so if people, um, if people aren't doing what they need to be doing in their life, you have to bring in the accountability, the leadership, the guidance to actually redirect, uh, to, to bring them to a spot. So, you know, we see this all the time with uh, Bulletproof Husband, with men who have uh, blown up their relationship. And now, now they're all angry that their wife is out having an affair and wants to get a divorce. And it's like, hey, you were the one driving the car. You're the leader and the car's in the ditch. And now you're upset at the deer. You know, this is, no, you were the one driving the car. You can't be mad at the ice on the road. You are the one driving the car. If you led yourself into the ditch, how about you figure out how to lead yourself back onto the road and get this thing going again? Well, how do I do that? Well, 
accountability, holding yourself in integrity, rebuilding trust, uh, creating emotional safety, all these different tools of leadership that when we see men implement them, they, we have tremendous results and tremendous change that takes place. And this is really the, um, the example we see. And I think it's so stark in scripture uh, in, in the concept of Hosea. Here he is told by God as a prophet, go marry a prostitute. And she keeps going back out and keeps going back out to prostitute herself. But he knows from the get-go, I am taking on the responsibility of marrying this person with this going on in their life. And I'm going to keep loving them, keep drawing them back, keep drawing them back. And in doing that, he has a, his life is a, a parable. It's a prophetic metaphor for Israel and uh, Israel and God in the Old Testament, that their marriage was the same with Israel walking off and uh, committing adultery with other gods all the time. And so in that, he's saying, I continue to love and pursue and lead and keep going in this direction. And it's not that God is to blame for the other person's choices, but he takes responsibility for it. He brings it in and says, okay, I'm going to lead. I'm going to do everything in my power to be responsible and lead us in this direction. And then from there, we get to make our choices as well. So it's, it's not to say that you can control other people's choices if you lead perfectly. Because the prodigal son's father is an amazing father who loves him. And he still has two challenging sons. And yet he's responsible. He's responsible for him in the sense of he loves his younger son. He runs out to meet him when he gets home. He loves him and brings him back in. He also confronts his older son when he needs to be confronted. And so this is a very responsible father. Other people do make their choices, but we have to close that gap as much as we can as leaders to say, am I, am I just wanting everyone around me to be personally responsible or am I willing to step up as the leader and take on the responsibility to own certain things to help move this direction? So there's a gap usually between personal responsibility and leadership responsibility. And as much as we can close that gap, like the general, the CEO, or the coach to see, you know, what's going on in my environment? How can I take ownership of this? What can I do as the leader? What can I do to bring more responsibility into this situation rather than putting it back on everybody else. And I, there does come a point of even seeing where people are at, like um, the difference between, do I let my nine-year-old go in the toy room and play with the toys? Or do I let my three-year-old go in the toy room and play with the toys? There's a difference because I can recognize what responsibility level they are at and where to meet them with that so that I'm not cleaning up Legos for two weeks. And there's, there's a whole difference in what we actually, where we meet people and how we lead people and what people are able to take from a leader at any given time. 
So that's also, you know, a piece of that leadership. So I've thrown out a lot here. Let's take a few minutes, five, 10 minutes max, and what questions come up or what thoughts or what, how should we dissect this a little bit? Truth be told, I'm not the man now. Oh